and welcome to KFAB, the podcast. The podcast about wrestling and fashion. But mostly fashion. I'm Sarah. I'm Christina. And I'm Katie. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Out of context, that's going to be really startling. <laughs> I can do it again. No. Uh, okay. No, I like it. I like our loopier episodes. Yeah. This is going to be a loopy app because it's very warm today and we're just having fun. Yeah, that's um, true. We're 39. Um, I wrote IDK, I think I'm going to give up, which I forgot about. Oh. And then I laughed at myself. <laughs> never give up. Never give up. Never Especially standard. not at 39. No, no, of course not. I just, it's because I wrote, I did, we did both uh, slideshows in a row. And yes. so because of it, yep. I was, yes. Yes. No, we know. But we're here um, um, in beautiful Los Angeles, ready to talk about some wrestling. But we have another guest we must introduce. Not even a guest. The whole reason we're here. Say a fixture. Hi, producer Mike. Uh, hey, everybody. I'm producer Mike. Uh, I'm, I'm a lifelong wrestling fan, and these three are relatively new in the wrestling journey, so occasionally they'll throw to me and I can fill in uh, sort of gaps in their uh, informational knowledge. Uh, thanks for having me, you three. Wow, um, Mike you, was Mike. just doing like a morning drive DJ voice like a minute ago, so yeah. I would like to say Mike has range, and also this Meek Mouse persona is a lie. It is. It is. I liked, the, I liked both what? Oops. Um, sorry. <laughs> Sarah went to the next slide. Whoopsies. It's okay. Uh, thank you, Mike. Thank you for being here. Um, really, really. Thank you for your service to our podcast. I just want to thank you guys because I was getting ready to just give up. Oh my God, then, Mike. And then I, IDK. Then IDK. Then IDK. You guys inspired me oh, to keep thank going. You. Thank you. I want to say thank you, Mike, for wow. being here. Speaking of thank yous. Um. <laughs> So this is a, a news request straight from my husband. Okay. Um, he wanted to know what we thought about Rusev shaving his beard. Mm. Uh, some people think it means he's about to leave the WWE as he hasn't re-signed his contract, as far as I know. Mm. Or maybe he's just going to switch up his character. Who knows? So how do I feel about this? I included a picture from Rusev's Instagram of him working out in, in Seamus's gym, mm. um, looking like several chickens. I mean, it just looks like he glued some cutlets onto his traps, right? Oof. Yeah. Traps on traps. He's got the big neck muscles yeah. that become yeah. scary. But I don't know. It's so funny. He's kind of a baby face without his beard. He so is, yeah. I, I think Rusev is hot, but and I, I always thought it was maybe because of the beard, but this is a weird fucking face he's making. He's making a like, face. To be fair. It's hard to tell. I tried it's to find goofy. one where he wasn't making a face yeah. and I couldn't. Well, because he's a goof. Um, But I still think he's hot, but I like the beard better. But also, Pretty I have no true. opinion on if he's leading WWE. That would be cool if he was, I guess. But also, then what would Lana do? Does she still have a contract? She hasn't re-signed hers yet, either. Ooh. Interesting. Mm -hmm. She mostly just posts a bunch of thirst traps on Instagram. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, there was that thing earlier this year where Hot she was summer. blocking traffic in LA, and it was someone famous, like, filmed her in traffic and was like, I cannot believe people are stopping traffic to film like to get shots for their Instagram and people online were like, oh, she's dragging Lana and I forget who it was. This is a bad story. <laughs> oh, Mike, let's cut this. <laughs> let's just cut the whole episode. <laughs> I want to leave it. I think it's fun to see how the burgers made. And speaking of burgers. I would have not said that. Okay. <laughs> what were you going to say? Speaking of made. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to talk about Bull Nakano. Yay. Oh. So you might recall her from my last session, uh, which I will 
with Aja. But so her name is therapy session. Yes, my last mm-hmm. therapy session with Aja Kong. So Keiko Aoki, uh, Nay Nakano, is was born on January eighth, nineteen sixty eight, which makes her a Capricorn, mm. and she's a Japanese professional wrestler known as Bull Nakano. She began competing in all Japan women's pro wrestling as a teenager. And as a wrestler, she was a heel who often teamed with her mentor, Dump Matsumoto. Give it up for Dump. What a name. (laughs) I would have that as a name. I'm kind of mad it's already taken. (laughs) It's fair. Um, A singles, I feel like you'd go in with like a dirty diaper. Like, like, just like the diaper has like weight in it. No, I think I'd be like a garbage truck person. <laughs> just be like, just doing my job. That's good. I like that. A singles champion in Japan, Mexico, and the WWE, Nakano intimidated opponents with her unbridled intensity and put them down with her imposing 200 pound frame. Taking obvious pleasure in causing pain, she'd grab a handful of hair and fling a rival across the ring in tribute to the fabulous Moolah. Oh. And her guillotine leg drop claimed more victims than a French executioner. <laughs> Which is not true. This was on the WWE thing, that last section, because mm-hmm. uh, I thought it was a good sum up. But the fact, no, the French the French Revolution, they killed so many people with the guillotine. So many people. Not even a contest. Uh, what are your first thoughts on Bull, you guys, well, based on this slide? This look, she looks like uh, Rufio from Hook. <laughs> yeah. She does. She's got the real tall, red-dyed hair. How would you describe her hair, Christina? Uh, Cheeto-esque. Yes. Mm-hmm. It's like the straight-up top it's straight up it is very cartoon character Mm -hmm. it's super super villainy to me yeah it's like the mullet with the like faux hawk yeah it's a party in front and a party in the back absolutely um yeah it's a really intense hair color and she changes the color of it so it's yellow most of the time and then there's the red which is the rufio look Mm -hmm. sarah's talking about uh she mainly wears singlets they kind of have a japanese tilt to them in general, uh, the center one I just thought is a beautiful photo, and yeah. I'm gonna post it's it. Yeah, it's amazing. It is very Vogue, and I don't. I it's just I think it's gorgeous. Um, it's this yeah. black and white photo that mm-hmm. yeah, she has like a cape on. Mm-hmm. It's and very Vogue editorial. It is, it is yeah. Vogue editorial, isn't it? Yeah, I thought it was just a really striking one, but you can see the one on the far left where her face is kind of painted, uh, similar to someone we might have her be valeting for later. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, but she has like a Japanese cut to the uniform on top, and then there's like the Lizzo, Beyonce like applique mm-hmm. look, right? Okay, great. So here's some bo- bonus pics of Aja Kong and wow. Bull Nakano that I'll post for sure. This first one over here that I'm going to post is November 14th, 1990, and she's like strangling Aja Kong with a um, chain link thing. Cool. So they're just going for it, and they and you can see like different variations of like crazy ass hair mm-hmm. that's just sticking straight up. Like I want to know what the product was. Maybe it's just, just straight so... up Elmer's glue, like a vintage punk. Yeah, it could be. It very well could be. Anyway, so she oops, she wrestled in Japan from 1983 to 1992. And as I mentioned in her overview, her career began uh, at All Japan Women's Pro Wrestling when she was 15. Oh, my gosh. Yes. So she won the junior, cha- junior championship at the age of 16 in 1984. And that is when she became Bull Nakano. So in July 1985, she won the AJW championship, which she held on to for the next three years. With Matsumoto as her partner, Nakano won the WWWA World Tag Team Championship in August 1986, and then they also wrestled for the WWF in 1986 against Velvet McIntyre and Don Marie Johnston. She won a lot. Uh, I'm not really, I'm not going to share it. It just, she won a lot. She won a lot. 
it was she's very decorated etc cetera, etc cetera. Um, but when she held the title for WWWA in 1990 for three years she lost to Aja Kong in 1992 which I told you about mm-hmm. in last week but afterwards their use of Nakano kind of deteriorated and or not deteriorated they just decreased they stopped booking her as much there's not really anything why but perhaps for other things we will learn about in the future mm. but on this page you see her doing her hair yeah mm-hmm. um which looks like it's just truly like squeegeeing it up yeah you and know? like waiting for it to dry i have to say this look in the middle mm. where she's wearing like the patchwork paisley top mm. it looks like a student production of the wizard of oz and she's the cowardly lion <laughs> it 100 percent or a cat's yes, yes. oh it my really, god she's rum tum tugger it yep. truly does it's very accurate mm-hmm. uh so then she went to north america so she stopped working for ajw and then traveled to mexico in june 1992 where she was a finalist in a 12-woman battle royale and later to field lola gonzalez to be come okay uh consejo <laughs> Mundial de Lucha Libre's first women's champion. Okay. Then she made her way to the U.S. and competed for WWF once again. She was debuted as an associate of Luna Vachon. Remember her? Oh, Mm -hmm. yes, yes. The one with the lines on her face? Uh Uh-huh. That's how you can tell they worked together because she also did the lines on her face. And she competed against WWF women's champion Alundra Blaze again at SummerSlam, failed to win the title. She eventually defeated her for a title in November of 1994 at the Big Egg Wrestling Universe event, which I just like the phrase, the name of it. Um, and then, yeah. And so the WWF had originally planned on bringing her uh, in Bertha Faye to feud with Nakano while Blaze got plastic surgery on her nose and breasts. Chill. But Nakano was found in possession of cocaine oh. and quickly oh, fired from the company. Oh, dear. So that might have something to do with why she wasn't booked a bunch in Japan. I don't know. That's speculative. Don't sue me. So in 1995, Nakano also traveled to North Korea, where she was part of the New Japan Pro Wrestling event in uh, Pyongyang that set a record for attendance at the professional wrestling event with 150,000 spectators. And then later that year, she competed at WCW's World War III pay-per-view, and she teamed with Akira Hakuto to, de- Hakuto, sorry, to defeat the team of Cutie Suzuki and Mayumi Okazi. Ozaki. Sorry. Nakano, with Sunny Ono as her manager. But- Sunny Ono? Sunny Uno? As her manager, continued her feud with Blaze, who is now known as Medusa, at WCW's Hog Wild event in August 1996. Medusa defeated Nakano in the match with a stipulation that she was allowed to destroy Nakano's motorcycle. <laughs> Dang. In subsequent years, Medusa called Nakano a good-hearted person and an incredible talent with whom she had some of her best matches. So, you guys want to talk about this page? It's like she looks like Goku. It's truly no. wild. Yes, it's a real Dragon Ball Z vibe. I mean, I like her green hair. That's mm-hmm. a really yeah, good it's look. awesome. It's crazy. So this is uh, Blaze, Audra Blaze, right? I like her outfit. I do too. Mm-hmm. Um, but she was so she was like a goody too. She was like collegey girl, so, mm-hmm. but she was a good wrestler, and so they always put her against like Aja Kong and mm-hmm. uh, Nakano, and so. She's well regarded, but then yeah, had to whatever. Oh yes, the pirate look in the oh, corner. She's like cosplaying the beast before he's the beast. Yeah, I'm gonna bring out all my like children's movies <laughs> and properties references for this. No, one. you're so right. That's exactly. It's, it looks like the beast coat. It does in the in the beauty of, in the beast animated. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. 
So she did retire due to injuries, of course. Um, Good on her. In 1997. On January 8th, 2012, she produced her own professional wrestling event entitled Empress, which saw her recreate her most famous matches with her old opponents. The event ended with her official retirement ceremony, though she had not been an active wrestler for several years. Uh, you might be asking yourself, why is this weird Japanese advertisement on the far left of the page? This is her announcement of her weight loss. That's her? That's her. Um, what? She looks like a different human. Yeah, I know. Does. And this is her there, too. Oh, my now. God. This is her now. So I'm just going to go. Oh. Cocaine oh. is hard to do. Holy shit. Totally different, right? Wow. She looks... This is... I know. Are you unsettled? I am deeply unsettled. She yeah. looks so different. Yeah. So this is her now. Goodness gracious. Gorgeous. And this was her then. Cocaine is hard. Anyway, so Rise Wrestling, because they never... People, when they say they quit, never quit. Um, so it was announced in 2017 that she would join the promotion as a facilitator. So she's not wrestling, but, you know. Along with cheerleader Melissa and Medusa her formal rival, and she turned heel during her appearance at Rise 6 on December 1st when she attacked Melissa during her match against Kiko. Oh, I guess she did wrestle. Whatever. And formed a modified version of her heel faction, Goku Monto, aligning with Kikyo, Dynamite Didi, and Chris Wolf. She appeared later in the event as heel manager for Chris Wolf in her match against Shotzi Blackheart, who had Medusa in her corner, and provided interference that led to Wolf defeating Blackheart. So she's still kind of around, again, well-regarded. But look at her now with the face paint. This is what I'm saying. That's insane. It's so interesting. Yes. And here's another thing about her. She became a professional golfer. What? In 1998. Oh, my God. Uh, And then in 2004, she played in the Futures Tour qualifying tournament in Florida, but ended in 250th place out out of 251. Oh. But the following year, she ended the tournament in 261st out of 271. Hey, hell yeah, girl. So she failed to qualify for Ladies Professional Golf Association, but she later did in 2006. Um, So I've got to write this WWE writer's take on her, which I think is very funny, which is, even back then, Nakano was already carving out her persona as a black-hearted villain with a captivating appearance that was equal parts Tokyo Scream Queen and Bori Punk Rocker. Wow. Shaving the sides of her long hair before Skrillex was even born. Yeah, Skrillex would never... Skrillex was even born. <laughs> Bull rocked a leather vest and fright makeup to draw the attention of the crowd. She was much more than a Mortal Kombat cosplayer. Was she... No. Wait, now I'm like thinking about it. Was the one that I said was Dragon Ball Z actually Mortal Kombat? I don't think so at all. I think that they did her hair all punk, right? Is she? I don't know. I can't. I don't know enough about anything I mean, I'm talking about. I think she wrestled about. well before Mortal Kombat. Was I yeah. think so too, in like the 70s. And also, who references... Fucking Skrillex on a WWE platform. It sounds like they got a really cool forward-thinking youth on their team. Yeah. I mean, they got one youth. They and got they the just... intern that they were like, "Who? Who's the cool person we can reference?" And they're like yeah. Skrillex, and they yeah. never updated it. So five bizarre. Years later. So bizarre. Anyway, so that's uh, that's her. That's Nakano. really remarkable. I'm so shook by this transformation. I know it's totally crazy, right? I uh, we gotta do. You gotta post one of these pictures of her now because it's really. No, I'm going to. She lost a shit ton of weight and became a pro golfer. She just <laughs> like wow, what a journey! That's crazy. But her look was so out there, and I really appreciate mm-hmm. that her look was not in any way, shape, or form like what you would think of as pretty. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like I think that's really cool. I feel like. Also, the line she uses for the face makeup is oh, really cool. Gorgeous How it connects lines. with the Great. blue. Like, I mm-hmm. really like the whole look because mm-hmm. it's just 
altogether insane. Yeah. But it works well. Yeah, she can. She's she looks powerful in it. It doesn't look like it's wearing her. Yeah, no. Yes, as it were. Wow. Well, those are super fascinating women that you've covered these last episodes. Thank y'all. I love them. Yes. Well, let's move on to. Wait, Katie, do you have a transition for us? Speaking of transitions for you, let's move on to too cool. (laughs) (laughs) So it's time for too cool. Yeah. Part two of too cool. So. Uh, last episode, I talked about the two um, full-time men. Yeah, two full-time members of Too Cool. And I'm going to talk about them uh, as a tag team slash stable because, of course, Rikishi was there. I said this last time, but I'm going to say it again. I'm, I'm going to mention him here, but I'm not going to talk about him because he's deserving of his own full segment, and I'll probably cover him within the next month because I'm really fascinated. But, yep, I'm going to focus on the other two members of Too Cool. So, oh my God! Let's set the scene. It's 1998. Yes, the, the Clinton Lewinsky scandal is gripping the nation. Armageddon is heating up the box office. Wow! And too sexy Brian Christopher and too hot Scott Taylor are a WWE tag team known as Too Much. Here they are doing their entrance on the left. You can see what great dancers they are. This was the straight up vest and leggings look, where um, Scott's in blue and Brian's in yellow, and. They both can't dance, which is great. That's important for later. They can't dance. Love it. Um, although, to be fair, Scott can do the worm, which I definitely cannot do. I uh, like Scott's arm motion. Scott has a, a better like sense of his body, I think. Enter in this, a room. Just doing a swimming it's a motion. Lot. Yeah. It's it's too much. It, it, is, it too is too much. Their much. name was perfect. Yeah, uh-huh. um, so too much feuded with a lot of other tag teams, including one for, featuring Brian's father, Jerry Lawler, mm-hmm. oh. as well as our good friends, the Hardy Boys. Um, but you can see, I, I included this one in our last episode too, but the pink and green and purple vest and pants look that has uh, too hot and too sexy on the legs. The birthday mm-hmm. party at a skate place. Yes, yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's a skate king look. So, oh my, no. wow. by 1999, oh. the team was ready for a rebrand. Oh, no. Too Sexy Brian Christopher became Grandmaster Sexay. Mm-hmm. And Too Hot Scott Taylor became Scotty Too Hottie. Yes, that's with the numeral two. Oh, no. So, they made their new debut that June. And while they were intended to be heels, they quickly became fan favorites, mm-hmm. especially once Rikishi joined them. Um, so, this is, I have a video I'm going to link in the show notes. This was their like video debut of their new personas. Is he wearing goggles on his head with his sunglasses? Should, yes. Shouldn't be We're going to pause real quick so we can watch this. Okay, so... Oof. Um, what did we just watch? Uh, a lot of weird, racially yeah. <laughs> confusing bits. I'm sorry, Mike. We got to say that up front, especially the initial appearance of yes. Too Cool is... <laughs> insane offensive like stereotyping of uh black hip-hop culture they have braids um they're wearing like sports jerseys for fake teams unbuttoned they're wearing chains they're doing very deliberate accents yes um and it's all wildly offensive yep um (laughs) mike is nodding and smiling this this particular look 
mm. did not stay. Yeah, yeah, okay. But the idea of them as hip-hop fans did. Okay. So just know that going in, they lost the braids, I think, almost immediately after God, this first appearance, so. which this is, is like rough the stuff. bare fucking minimum you can yeah, do, right? Yeah. But... I mean, it's Seth Green and can't hardly wait. Yeah. <laughs> it really is, because Grandmaster Sexy is wearing the goggles on top of yeah. his head. Yeah. Um, and they're both wearing sunglasses 24-7. Uh, but they they lost some aspects of this and gained others. Sunglasses? No, but they do wrestle in more accessories than <gasps> one might wish. Ah! So here's Scott Taylor on how the too cool gimmick got started. This is from um, Edge and Christian's Pod of Awesomeness. I got the transcript from Wrestling Inc., which I'll link in the show notes. Uh, we floundered as too much for quite a while, and then I remember, so Hardys and Edge and Christian do their thing, and the Hardys transform from the young Hardy brothers with spandex pants we remember them as, and then they go with Michael Hayes and wear the regular pants. I don't know what to call them, street clothes. And then Edge and Christian do their whole thing with them, and then you guys all go and get over. I can remember former WWE writer Vince Russo coming up to me and Brian in the Nassau Coliseum and said, we want you guys to go out there and be kind of like the Hardys. Whatever you guys think is cool, but you're not cool. That was it. There was no hip hop. There was no dancing. It was just like, we thought we were cool. We were going to call you too cool, but you're really not cool. That was really the only (laughs) direction we had. Hmm. Which is interesting because I would say there's some notion of, of a, a definite culture they're appropriating in that first promo yeah mm. so it's weird for him to say that they didn't have any other direction but i guess if you were thinking of as like an out of touch white guy what you would do in an effort to seem lame trying to seem cool that is a direction you can go in yeah that is actually that makes sense it's, then. yeah it's it's still unfortunate but knowing the thought <laughs> process behind it is is definitely interesting it's not good but it's interesting Mm-mm. yeah so, Too Cool's whole deal was that they were hip-hop fans. They would dance around the ring while music played, and the lights flashed, and the fans just absolutely loved it. That's what helped them become such favorites. It was just too fun. Like, people just wanted to do it with them and wanted to dance with them. Scott says, Brian came up with a dance. So here's another quote from him. People always go, oh, Rikishi had the stink face, and Scotty had the worm, and Brian didn't really have anything. Well, Brian put together that three-way dance. He's got to get credit for that. He choreographed that whole celebration dance. When Michael Hayes told us, we're going to put Rikishi with you, I thought, ugh, it's awful, it sucks, we got a fat guy in a thong out there as our third guy. Rude, from Sarah. <laughs> and the very first night we went out there and did that dance, it was just magic. So, here is what their look evolved into. You know, remember when, I'm sorry, do you have some? No, we can talk about it in a minute. Okay. I just want to say, the hat... Uh, with the hair poking through the hat, like the bright, like crazy thing. Mm-hmm. Remember when everyone, because we're all roughly 30, when everyone got those like ski hats that had built in fake hair? Yep. Yes. Yes. Is uh, that because of this? Had those. Yes. I think it was just around the same time when we were all just dressing like trash. The ones with the noodles. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, they look like mm-hmm. little noodles. They're super weird. Okay, yep. that's what his hair looks like. And also, yeah, McDonald's fries. Okay. It is insane. Also, so people would... wear these to sports events in the South. <gasps> oh my God. Uh, bucket hats with no top? With the, no, with the fake hair. Oh, oh no. Yeah, okay. that's like a look. Wow. Yeah, so I think funny. it was hard for me to tell, but based on these, I think it is his actual hair that they gel up and then they have a, yeah. a hat with no top on it oh my god um so that's scotty two hotties so they both wear big pants that say like their names on them mm. so it's scotty two hottie or grandmaster sex a and they wear like 
big open sports jerseys or denim and they both wear sunglasses like the really bad bright yellow oakley wraparounds and uh grandmaster sexy usually wore a bandana he often wore the goggles on his head Mm -hmm. and um Scotty Too Hottie wore the aforementioned bucket hat without a top. Rikishi just wore his normal shit, but which is like big pants with his name on it. But he did wear the Oakleys as well mm. um, when he was with them, which is pretty funny. Yeah. Mm. But otherwise, his look was exactly the he same. He was like, nah, I'm doing my thing. <laughs> yeah. And they did this like coordinated dance whenever they came out and whenever they won. And it's like pretty basic choreography, but it's like funny. And All cute. right. So we're going to have to watch that. Like too. a box yeah. step. Yeah. 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 And then like uh, Scotty would always do the worm, of course. Yep. Um, so this is their look. It was a lot of red and black and yellow. Um, they especially wore the black and yellow when they were with Rikishi, since those are his colors. Um, but that's the main thing. But they had a ton of variation within that over oh, the years. Oh, oh no! God. So the team had a big moment during the 2000 Royal Rumble. Rikishi had eliminated everyone but Grandmaster Sexay and looked like he was going to toss him out too even though they were friends. Mm. But then Scotty Tuhati entered and convinced Rikishi to dance to their music instead. At the end of the dance, Rikishi clotheslined both (laughs) members of Too Cool out of the ring. But luckily, they all laughed it off in the end. So that was kind of like, I watched that. I have that too, and I'll link. But it's sort of getting at the heart of, I think, why people liked it. It was just like really fucking goofy. Yeah. And everyone was 100% in on the joke. to me, it's still uncomfortable that that joke is appropriating hip hop culture. Yep. Mm. Um, I, so it's, it's it's a weird tension there because like the, people just dancing and being friends is like one hundred percent all I ever want wrestling to be. <laughs> um, not wrestling, just dancing and being friends. Mm. But like you can't ignore that that's yeah. what it is you it, know it is but now that you said that they were intentionally trying to be two white guys trying to be cool yes it actually makes a lot more sense there's a layer to it I, there's I, yeah. a layer that I mean, now let's just say i think it's better than uh dr thugonomics oh yeah 100 percent. yeah there's worse things in the grand scheme of things that but WWE still yes. has done yeah i want to be oh it's not great i'm no. just saying like it makes a little more sense that it's two white guys because this was also like in every comedy movie at this time yes it was like you mentioned yes can hardly wait and stuff where everyone was like isn't it funny when like white guys do this yeah is like a constant crutch i mean we had yeah. a whole song about it pretty fly for a white guy literally you're right i forgot about that yeah um oh how could i have forgotten about that song well you know it's my top played did you do the worm to that no but when i was a kid that was one of my favorite songs i loved the offspring mm-hmm. oh, i also of loved the offspring yeah, we all loved the offspring it was 2000 we all loved the offspring mike um excuse me michael uh, we all did, love the offspring. But did any of you throw a temper tantrum because your mom wouldn't buy it because it was parental advisory? No, because my no. parents didn't care did. enough. <laughs> oh, wow. Uh, what you, you should have done is you should have gone to Sam's Club because they had those, like, just the plastic things, but parents would just buy them for you there. They didn't have the parental advisory at a Sam's Club. Just so you know. <gasps> just so you know. Wow, Mike, you should go back and tell yourself. Secrets and tricks. Just so you know. This was around the time when I convinced my mom to buy me Backstreet Boys Millennium, so I was on a different path. Uh, but I wasn't... There was bucket hats involved. None of us could escape bucket hats. Yes, I did. I escaped bucket hats, well, and I'm very proud of that moment. Katie, I think I thought that my nose was too big for a bucket hat, and I was like, nah, this is not a good look for me. Katie, God bless you for always having the best taste in clothes, because you really dodged <laughs> the bullet like, no, with I, that I one. I don't think I wear... I just don't like wearing hats. Anyway. I... 
Mm, I did wear a bucket hat. I had short hair and I wore a bucket hat. Oh, no. <laughs> so, Too Cool got a big push after this whole Royal Rumble business because they were so wildly popular. Um, they feuded against the McMahon-Helmsley regime, Ooh. a big old stable mm, of bad guys. God. Um, straight from Wikipedia, they mainly wrestled against D-Generation X members, the road dog Jesse James, Mr. Ass. <laughs> And X-Pac and the Radicals. Who the fuck is Mr. Ass? That's not the name he normally wrestled under. It's Badass Billy Gunn. Mr. Ass, for Mr. sure. Ass. Mr. Ass. But I just really like that they quoted it as Mr. Ass in Wikipedia. That made me laugh. So, Too Cool actually won the Tag Team Championship in 2000, guys. They defeated our good friends, Edge and Christian. Mm. So, here is a... This is their outfit when they defeated Edge and Christian, which I will also link in the show notes. Um, it is a white with like black scribbles all over it print thing it's a a big denim jacket and big jankos basically but all over this pattern and uh then they have red and black detailing on it that says their names again so bizarre what do you think the pattern is is it just like random it looks like scribbles Mm. i can't tell my i'm i'm horrified that it might supposed to look like graffiti or something Mm. But that's probably what it is trying to mimic. It looks like um, the kind of art that they had in like highlights magazines or mm. something that John Early would wear on Search Party. Yes, exactly. I wonder if you zoomed out on this enough and it's like a Far Side comic. <laughs> yep. <laughs> um, but then here's some other looks. So this is another one of their promo shots where they're wearing like mm. big sports jerseys. And you can see in this one, um, Grandmaster Sexay is wearing the full on ski goggles, which is very funny to mm-hmm. me. And um, sometimes Scotty Too Hottie wore the like red orange tinted sunglasses like he's Mark McGrath in the Sugar Ray video. Mm-hmm. And then down here, we you asked earlier what they wrestled in. This is what they wrestled in sometimes. So big jeans, uh, a white undershirt mm-hmm. and um, goggles for Grandmaster Sex A. And then Scotty Too Hottie is shirtless. He usually was the shirtless one because mm-hmm. around this time... Um, Grandmaster Sex Day's body started to change a little yes. bit, as we discussed, mm-hmm. so he wasn't shirtless very often. Uh, but yeah, Scotty Too Hotty usually was shirtless in the ring, and um, his pants had like Too Hotty on them, generally. <sighs> I have to also point out that Grandmaster Sex Day has the braids back again in this picture. Mm-hmm. Uh, he didn't always have that. He looks but like Kid Rock. He does or have a Kid Rock know. vibe. He doesn't, yeah, just, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's um a lot to wrestle mm-hmm. in jeans, as we've said before, especially yeah. the big jeans. It might be too much. So much chafing. <laughs> I would have to say so much So chafing. much chafing. Mm-hmm. Uh, sadly, the good times couldn't last. Oh, too Cool God. disbanded in 2001. So they were really only around for a little bit. After Scotty needed neck surgery. And mm. kayfabe, he had a hurt ankle, courtesy of Kurt Angle. Oh, God, yeah. You like how I wrote that sentence? Yep. It was fun. Mm-hmm. Fun wordplay. Um, I covered what happened next in our last episode. Brian, a.k.a. Yep. Grandmaster Sex A, ran into some legal trouble. And Scott, a.k.a. Scotty Too Hotty, wrestled with some other dudes for a while, but was out a lot with injuries. Um, Too Cool made a few appearances around the independent circuit in the 2000s, though they weren't always legally allowed to use the Too Cool name. But yeah. it was the same thing. Mm-hmm. They, did the, they did the gimmick. Mm-hmm. Um, Too Cool's last WWE appearances were in 2014. The full trio participated in a six-man tag team match and a tag team championship match, though they lost. They continued to make occasional appearances around the indies and at conventions until Brian's death in 2018. That's so sad. Uh, it's really sad. Um, I have some videos that I'll, I'll link of, of the debut that we watched. Mm-hmm. Um, I have their first in-ring entrance. I have the video that played when they made their entrance, which shows them dancing. And I have their Royal Rumble 
um, escape, which all gives like a, a good idea of their their vibe and the the honestly real power they had over the crowd. People like lose their minds over them and are like so excited. I could compare it kind of to. I mean, it's a very different thing, but the vibe feels almost like the Daniel Bryan Yes thing, where, like, mm-hmm. everyone is so excited to do it, and they're just going to do it, like, really full out and, like, delight in it. Yeah. Um, people loved them. So this last slide, I have, like, a picture of um, them entering. I think this might have actually... I don't remember what this was for, but this is one of the last appearances they made all together. Um, I had to include this because Scotty Too Hottie is wearing, like, carpenter jeans with flames on the front, yeah. which is... A true vibe. Um, this picture up top is from Scott's Instagram post commemorating Brian upon his passing. Mm. That's the last time the three of them were together in the ring. Mm. Uh, this bottom one is Rikishi's Instagram post remembering him. That was the last time they were dancing together in the ring. Aww. So it's like, again, a very a very tough thing. Um, but yeah, they were extremely popular for a very brief window of time. And it seems like they really made a huge impression especially on fans of around our age based on what like listeners have said to us too about them so mm-hmm. yeah yeah well thank you sarah yeah, yeah that's great mike do you want to say anything about it or do you have anything to add in yeah i don't i know what you guys are going to say and you're right to criticize them but also it doesn't diminish how i feel too cool is awesome it shouldn't no, no it's it really should. shouldn't yeah no Oh, oh, what the fuck? <laughs> oh my god, Katie, what a good surprise! <gasps> Yay! That's so I just, funny. I got that. It was so great. Uh, today I'm doing David Arquette. John the Floor. Yep. True John the Floor. Right? This is so out of left field that I think you should explain more about who David Arquette is. Oh, well, I mean, I think I'm going to. Are you? <laughs> so continue on. <laughs> Who's David Arquette? Uh, born September 8th, 1971. Makes him a... Virgo. Virgo. Wait. Is he a Virgo? Yes. Would you like be like, he's a fucking Virgo. Oh, no. I don't know him. Okay. <laughs> From what you know of him. Uh, no. So he was actually born in a Sabud commune in Bentonville, Virginia. What the fuck? I beg your pardon? Their childhood reads, this is what I found on New York Times, their childhood reads like a parody of a 60s upbringing. Oh my God. Both parents changed their names three times as they were veered from one spiritual quest to another. Eventually their father converted to Islam and their mother, Marty, short for uh, Mardinichi, is Jewish, the Arquettes are now separated. So the mm. Arquette children were raised on a Sabud commune in Virginia, um, and it's a non-secretarian fellowship originating in Indonesia, and it fosters meditation. The family okay. also observed Islam, and the Arquettes began performing early in childhood versions of Paul Sill's story theater. Which is improv. Yep, exactly. Wow, that's fascinating. I had no idea. Yeah, isn't that cool? Wow, so who is? David Arquette. So um, he's like kind of an actor. Uh, He's appeared in a few movies in the 1990s, including Mm -hmm. Buffy the Vampire Slayer, which you have on the right in the Mm -hmm. photo. Iconic. Airheads in 1994. Never been kissed. Also Mm -hmm. iconic. Truly iconic. He had a guest spot in television shows like Blossom, Mm -hmm. Beverly Hills 90210, Mm -hmm. and Friends. Mm -hmm. And his biggest success is the horror slasher film franchise Scream. I, I think it's never been kissed where he was the brother who wanted to go back he and was. have a college baseball career again. Yep. Mm-hmm. And he yes, worked he at was. the like... And he worked um, at the copy. Yep, the copier place. place. Mm-hmm. I loved him. Um, yep. He is cute. 
Yes. 90s era Arquette, cute. <laughs> you like yeah. this? Yes. Cross. I love that. So I will cool. say that was my favorite, him in that movie. Yeah. It was so funny. I haven't yes. seen it in so long. Because mm-hmm. he like floats up and his like best friend's like, you're flying. And he's like, come outside. It's oh, really great. It's pretty good. Yeah, you should watch it. It's not scary to me. Oh, good to know. Parts of it are, but I'm going to say it's not because I really like that movie. Continue on. So, in 2000, after filming the World Championship Wrestling produced movie Ready to Rumble, our cat was brought into WCW storylines. So, Katie today bought for $2.98. Did you watch it? Bought Ready to Rumble. Starring Scott Kahn? Starring, yes, uh uh-huh, and watched... Almost the entire thing until I ran out of time to go to a friend's pilot reading. Great. So here's Katie's synopsis of it. Oh, my God. Okay. Two white dudes who work for a septic tank company uh-huh. and clean porta-potties all the time. Gordy, David Arquette's character, is oh. a police... Or his parents are police officers, and they mm-hmm. want him to join the family career. Of Lots of poop jokes and visuals. Very good. Mm-hmm. They're obsessed with wrestling, he and his best friend. Mm-hmm. The two old... The old woman from Wedding Singer is in it, and she's <laughs> sexual like usual. <laughs> nope. What a great career. Uh, Gordy has to go to a big... He goes to a big wrestling WCW match, even though his police orientation is in the morning. <gasps> Lots of women dancing, and uh-huh. they have a crush on the valets. Uh, Diamond Dallas Page versus Jimmy King. Not a real wrestler. It's the bad guy from Beethoven. (laughs) So (laughs) Beethoven's villain loses the heavyweight championship, (laughs) Jimmy King. And Uh everyone says he's done wrestling because he's got a lifetime ban. Then there's a slow fade to the guys driving a sewer truck crying because it's because of allergies. Uh They're not crying because Jimmy King is done wrestling. Yeah, Uh you know, men can't cry. They wreck because of the allergies and poop goes everywhere. At the exact same time, an 18-wheeler comes by and it wrecks into the poop and it's a toilet paper 18-wheeler. So it's filled with toilet paper. Very funny. So they all go, what a coincidence. Slow fade out. Rest of the movie is basically them going to go find Jimmy King and get him to wrestle again. And being like, you're good, even though he's not. So it's a training montage, a lot more poop jokes, a lot more weird 1990s jokes in it. And then in the end, I assume maybe Jimmy King wins. But I don't know, because I was at a wonderful pilot reading. Oh, wow. This is straight up. I mentioned that I do a wrestling podcast to a friend at work. And she said, Ready to Rumble is one of my favorite movies. Really? Really? She is a funny person. So um, maybe she doesn't. I don't know. Wait, I have a question. Shout out uh-huh. to Alyssa. Do we yes. think ready? It's called ready to rumble is another poop joke, like how your tummy rumbles when you're ready to poop. Could maybe because like there's one part where they're like eating burgers and the little like tank for the poop is like right there, and so they're talking and there's like poop spilling out, and God. you're like, what is this? What a weird yeah thing. Yeah. Oh. Alyssa, we'll have to talk about it. Yeah. I have uh-huh. so many questions. So, um, from what I, I mean, I think it'll be up for an Oscar next year, but I'm not <laughs> yeah. entirely sure. They're going to be like, we're changing the rules for the Oscars. You can go back in time. Yes. So, after he made, he, after this, he made his first appearance on April 12th, 2000, episode of Thunder, sitting in the crowd before leaping into the ring to take part in a Part in a worked confrontation with Eric Bischoff in his New Blood stable. Oh my God! Arquette teamed with Page, Diamond Aww. Dallas Page, mm-hmm. who we just talked about, in a match against Bischoff and Jeff Jarrett. He's Jeff Jarrett's everywhere. He really is. Um, 
Uh, also, he's married to Kurt Angle's ex-wife. We'll talk mm-hmm. about that. Have we ever talked about We've that, talked right? We've talked about yes. that. Okay. Um, with the stipulation that whatever man got the pen would take the championship. Mm-hmm. So Arquette penned Bischoff again in the match, receiving the WCW Heavyweight Championship in the process. Oh, my God. So during his time as champion... Arquette was mostly used as comic relief, as you can guess. Mm. And he often appeared on two shows as the champion, Nitro and the Slamboree pay-per-view. During his during the former, a vignette was shown filmed on the set of Arquette's film 3000 Miles to Graceland, which also featured his wife and their co-star Kurt Russell. So we're gonna watch this video. Oh, oh my god. god. That's Kurt, Kurt Russell. Look how young he looks. Mm. Oh, wow. Let's get those toys. The Hardy Boys? <laughs> Whoa. That's a terrifying Hardy Boys toy. It looks like it melted. Oh, boy. treasure what a chair in the middle of nowhere oh no oh no okay i'm obsessed with this yeah so um basically what happened is they started doing those promos and he kept on saying that he was going to fight them again and continue to have the belt and things got ridiculous um these photos right here are kind of his look he wore when he was on it was basically like Blade, German industrial man. Oh, he's got the same mesh shirt as the Hardy Boys. Yeah. Uh-huh. You can see uh-huh. his tummy. And he's just got like a ridiculous look going on, basically. I love... So there is an episode of Friends where... And I don't know the timeline on this. So I'm interested. Where Courtney Cox's character is dating a guy who decides to quit doing business yep. and become an ultimate fighting champion. Yep. I wonder if that's based on this in any way. Or they thought of it, or if the timeline would even add up. Yeah, that's all. No, yeah, because remember he bought he buys a diamond, and no, all of them yeah. they're like, "Oh my god, he bought a diamond!" Yeah, it's a diamond ring. Oh, just a loose the diamond? Ring. No, the ring itself, like a ring, oh. a fighting ring. Oh, okay, mm-hmm. okay. Yeah. Um, this suit. I know. Did okay. he wear that a lot? Uh, he wore that for one of the promos because he'd basically just come in the ring and be like, "I will fight you again." He only wrestled like twice. Yeah. It looks like time. a comic book of jam. Yeah. Yeah. God, it's so funny. But I can't tell what it yep. is. Wow. So. Oh, my God. He I held the title for 12 days. <laughs> and when he booked to defend the championship against Jeff Jarrett and Page in a triple cage match, the same match featured in the climax of Ready to Rumble, mm. in the end, he turned on Page and gave the victory to Jarrett. Mm. After Slambury, Arquette cut a promo. Uh, for Nitro, explaining that his entire friendship with Paige and title run was a swerve. Mm. 
He's uh, Paige subsequently ran down to the ring and hit him with the diamond cutter. Arquette made one final appearance at, with WCW at the New Blood Rising pay-per-view um, when he interfered in a match between Buff Bagwell and Canyon. <laughs> and then um, it just copied it twice. Um, oh. But then keep on going down a little bit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, he was against... So basically all this happening, people said that because of him that WCW fell like just like stopped like ratings yes they said ready to rumble and him on nitro basically the ratings and everything made all these people not want to be part of it wow so with that being said arquette was totally against becoming the wcw world championship um holder believing that the fans like himself would detest a non-wrestler winning the title mm-hmm. vince russo who was the head booker for wcw at the time insisted that arquette became the champion would be good for the company and for publicity wow. and arquette oh reluctantly agreed to the angle all the money though that he made during his wc tenure was donated to the families of owen hart oh brian pillman and darren uh Dizdov, uh Aww. who he became a quadriplegic um Collegiate, um after being in ring oh, accident. Wow. Yeah. Oh my God. So after um, WWF um, purchased WCW, Arquette's championship run was listed as the top reason for the <gasps> failure of Nitro. Yeah. Oh, wow. So heads up, the next slide is bloody oh. because this is what he is doing now. Cool. So in 2018, Arquette said during an interview with the Wendy Williams show, after his controversial WC title win, he had been trolled for 18 years on the internet, and he wants people to have respect for his name in a professional wrestling man manner. He began training with professional wrestler Peter Avalon for his return, and. Uh, July 15, 2018, Arquette made his return to professional wrestling, making his debut for championship wrestling from Hollywood wow. in a losing effort against RJ City. Then, in October, Arquette teamed with RJ City to defeat the team, the Halal Beefcake, <laughs> um, in a tag team match at Border City Wrestling's 25th anniversary show in Ontario, Canada. So, after all of this, he basically continued on, and in uh, 2018, November 2018, um, Arquette wrestled Nick Cage, who you know. Oh, yes. Yes. Nick Gage, you mean? Nick Gage, yes. Yeah, Nick yeah. Cage. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Nick Gage in a death match. Another death match, yep, at LA Confidential Event. During the match, he suffered a severe cut in the neck, causing him to bleed profusely. And after the match, he went to the hospital and was operated on. Oh my God. Arquette would later state that he's done with death matches. Ah, fair. Because he basically, like, people said, like, he almost died in the ring. Yeah. And this is, these are the photos from the match itself. Mm-hmm. So that's the guy I saw in the intergender match when yes. I went to that last show. Mm-hmm. Was, so this is him walking out after he was like, no, I'm done. And this is him. Wasn't that like, didn't they have like a, uh, like an instrument that had like spikes on it and they were like hitting him in the head and stuff with it? Yeah. Oh boy. Yeah. So Holy after that, um, Arquette in... Uh, May 23rd of 2019 made his debut on Being the Elite where he attempted to convince Nick and Matt Jackson to allow him to enter the over-the-budget battle royal royal at Double or Nothing. Neither of them recognized him at first. However, they eventually recalled his WCW championship reign but still refused to let him compete, instead giving him a double super kick. So that's basically where he is right now. Oh my god, so he's like wrestling again. What a wild time. 
That's so interesting. <laughs> Just imagine doing it and then being like, well, I did this crazy thing in the early 90s and ever, or in the early 2000s and everyone hated it and being like, no, fuck you. I'm going to do it as I'm going to like really career. do it, yeah. And what's really That's funny. So crazy. If you want to go back to Ready to Rumble. I always. Uh, Jimmy King, like, he was kind of that same thing where he sucked and he had to go back and learn how to really do it. Oh, wow. So he's basically just recreating Ready to Rumble and he's His... probably going to be in the remake of it because, of course, there's going to be a remake of it, right? Do they think they can get oh, Scott Con though? Because he's, like, huge now that he's been in Entourage. <laughs> oh, yeah. Con. I was like, who the fuck is Scott Con? Um, He's in Entourage. Okay. <laughs> I don't know his character's name or anything else about him. Got it. It's not the Beethoven villain, though. <laughs> yes, I love that you're like, Beethoven villain was yep. a fine wrestler. And we all yep. know who that is so that's great yes, totally yep. um exactly. wow you know what when you said david Ar- i was like i was like yeah okay he did the wcw thing i for i totally forgot that i had heard about this and it just left my brain yeah so thank you what an important wrestler in wrestling i also crazy. like want to fucking see him wrestle i yeah. really do yeah i bet it would I be agree. wild i agree oh look uh, Mike put some information on the slide. Yeah, final thoughts. Oh, look, some more information. Some more information uh-huh. from Zach Sabre Jr. If you yeah. don't recall, information is code for... Penis. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's what it is. Um, final thoughts. What else were you going to say? I don't know. I was going to try and dress it up. <laughs> Straight I'm, up. No. Speaking I'm, of penises, I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. Speaking of penises, any final thoughts? Um... <sighs> I don't, again, I, I find myself without final thought. I feel like everyone did a great job. This was fun. Yeah. Yeah. Was, that, those are both wonderful. Thank you. Yours was wonderful, too. And uh, Too Cool, again, was a recommendation. Thank you, guys. Please mm-hmm. keep sending them in. Yeah, because keep recommending. We want to know who you like. Yeah. yeah. And you can recommend uh, to us a wrestler for us to review on Twitter at KFAB Podcast. It's K-A-Y-F-A-B Podcast. If you want to see the looks we're talking about, they're on Instagram at that same handle. So easy. So convenient. Please rate, review, subscribe. Uh, all those things. We have stickers. Message us. DM us. Thank you so much. Have a great night. Bye. Good night. Bye. Bye.